Welcome to Leading the Way, a ministry of Brooklyn Baptist Church in Chesney, South Carolina. Join us each week for practical preaching and foundational truth of God's Word. Here's the pastor of Brooklyn Baptist Church, Clay Collins. Thank you for listening to the broadcast today. Our prayers at the song and sermon will be a help and encouragement to you as you listen. Today on the broadcast, we're going to feature a song by a ladies trio out of our church entitled, There Was Jesus. Then we're going to go right to the message, and this will be another part of our series of messages we've been featuring on the whole armor of God. We've entitled this series, Being Armed Against Adversity. And today we're going to deal with putting on that helmet of salvation, talking about having salvation in our conscience and how that the devil is so deceptive in trying to get in our mind and defeat us. And so uh, you get your Bibles open to Ephesians chapter number six, hear the song by the ladies trio, and then the word of God preached today on the broadcast. Or in good times 
was on him, but in the heat of the battle, or by pleasant mountain streams, he'll be right there in the middle. That's where he's always been, so be strong and take courage when you think you're gonna fall. Cause right in the middle of it all, there is Jesus. There is Jesus. There is Jesus. But tonight in verse 17, I want to deal with the first sentence there of verse 17 and take the helmet of salvation. We talked about how the first three of these have the aspect of having or receiving, uh, so to speak. But the latter three involve taking something. When you look at these last three, beginning in verse 16 and 17, take the shield of faith, take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit. It involves the fact that it's already done. You just have to receive it unto yourself. In fact, when you look at the word take in verse 17, it it simply means uh, this tonight. It means receive it or accept it at the hand of one as a gift. And that is what we've done at salvation. Uh, Jesus Christ done it all on Calvary we just simply accept it and receive it as a gift the Bible said in Ephesians 2 that salvation is the gift of God not of works lest any man should boast and so tonight I want to deal with this thought salvation in our conscience having salvation not just uh, so to speak and I know that word conscious is used a lot but I'm talking about in the mind and the mental faculties of who we are you see we're really good at, at turning this thing on and off. We're really good at our salvation just being something that we know how to do on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. But our salvation is much more than that. Our salvation is something that saves us for eternity and changes us forever. It is nothing more than what we just put on a suit of clothes to come to church on a certain day of the week. And so what it emphasizes here is as that soldier in battle puts on on that helmet to protect his head and to protect his mind and to protect his uh, very fragile and very uh, uh, very important aspects of his body. Uh, so salvation is very similar to that to us. When you think about the head, that is the seat of the mind. And in fact, many of our battles as Christians is right between our two ears. Probably the most serious battles we face, even though we, we may not, you may say, a oh, preacher, this battle had nothing to do with my mind, but it started there. It was the place where the devil put that seed in and then it became and worked its way out through our body. In other words, the Bible said, as a man thinketh, in his heart so is he uh, it starts in that mind process and so many of our battles if we be honest tonight many of our battles were won long before we ever faced it because we had victory as we faced it in our mind but on the flip side of that many of the battles we have faced in this life we had doubt and defeat in our mind before we ever faced it and we went into that battle already knowing we're not coming out on the other side victorious 
Amen. What I'm getting at tonight, our mind many times, the battle can be won or lost many times in our mind before we ever get there. Uh, you say, preacher, what are you getting at? Uh, it's very simple. You think about a horse, for example. Uh, used to be all the horses were trained. You, you turn its head whatever way that horse's head was turned. Uh, that's the way it was going to go. You turn his head that way, that's the direction the horse goes. You turn it this way, that's the way it goes. There's many applications of that. And even in our spiritual life, wherever our head is facing, whatever our mind is thinking, whatever our, our sight is seeing, so to speak, that is the direction that we're prone to go. Amen. You say, preacher, what are you getting at tonight? Well, uh, just looking in the Word of God, one of the greatest examples is in 1 Samuel chapter 17, uh, looking at David and Goliath. When you study 1 Samuel 17, you'll find that there was Saul and there was David. Saul was a great king. Saul was a mighty man. Uh, Saul was a very strong man. Uh, Saul was, uh, was a man that you would look at and say, yeah, that is a man that is fit for battle. When you look at David on the flip side, David seemed to be a small young man, not a man that seemed to be fit for battle or a man that would conquer a great giant like Goliath who was over nine foot tall. But when it come down to the battle, there Saul was, King Saul, uh, in a corner fearful for his life and scared to face Goliath. And the Bible tells us that that battle went on for about uh, 40 days there. They just kept toning and Goliath kept toning back. Who's going to come and fight with me in this valley? But it was David that made up his mind and said hey is there not a cause today and David said it himself in 1 Samuel 17 he said I'm going out here and I'm paraphrasing I'm going to win this battle I'm going to whoop this giant and he done exactly that you see Saul was standing on the sideline and Saul knew he was going to lose that battle before he ever got out there but David on the flip side knew that he was going to win the battle before he ever got out there can I say many of our battles we We've done made up our mind. We're going to lose this. We're going to lose that. We're going to win this. We're going to win that. And before the devil ever comes by with this great mighty giant of Goliath in our life, we've done made up our mind. We're not fighting that battle. We're not getting into that war. We're not going to do that. The hope's already gone. We're like Saul and most and the brothers of David. We're sitting over to the side uh, wondering what in the world we're going to do. But yet we have victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, but we've got to get that mindset into here it's so easy to pick up your Bible and read a verse when you go through a valley I can quote to you all the scripture that you want me to quote to you I can tell you a three point outline for every difficulty thing you face there's a recipe for everything if we think about it but there's a big difference in saying here it is and here it is so many times we're guilty of looking at something in our life and saying there's no way, there's no hope, there's no way I'll come through this. You know what the Bible says we will, but why do we have that mentality? It's because the Word of God and the helmet of salvation is not resting firmly upon our head. Amen. You see, there's a difference. There's a difference. This is why I believe this piece of armor is so important. You say, preacher, what are you, what are you saying tonight? Let me just give you a few things. I'm not going to finish this message tonight. I know I'm not. There is so much in this, but I'm going to get as far as we can. First of all, tonight, by way of introduction, I want you to notice the human responsibility. Look at verse 16, he, or excuse me, verse 17. He said, and take the helmet of salvation. 
Now, in other words, there is an invitation here, but it has to be accepted, it has to be received, and it has to be placed upon the head. Preacher, what's that got to do with me? Well, it says the helmet of salvation. Salvation is available to everyone, but it must be received. It must be taken, and it must be placed upon. That is the way salvation works, amen. It is an invitation to all, but we must accept it and receive it. You say, Preacher, I want to live for Jesus Christ. I want to walk in victory. The invitation is yours. You've just got to take it and receive it. Not only the human responsibility, but notice the helmet. He said, and take the helmet of salvation. A helmet is something that completely encircles the head as a means of protection. It covers the most vital part, uh, one of the most vital parts of the body. It covers your mind. Uh, you, and you know as well as I do, even uh, as a child, even if you may not put your, uh, tell your child to put on uh, all the protective armor when he rides his bike, surely you tell your child to put on a helmet. Why? Because of how crucial and vital that area of the body is. I see people all the time ride motorcycles with no helmet on. I'm like, man, you're crazy. Man, you're crazy. There's no way I'd be doing 80 mile an hour up I-85 with no helmet on. Amen. So many people have wrecked. So many people have hit that asphalt so hard and had severe brain damage because of the impact and because the mind and the head is such a vital part of the body. Even many people that are brain dead, listen to me tonight, your body can still function without a brain, but it ain't going to do much. Many Christians, listen to me, the devil has whooped them right here. They might be here physically, but they're brain dead. They might be sitting on Baptist church pews, but that's all they're doing. They're brain dead. Because the devil has got them to take off that helmet of salvation. And the devil has got them to a place to where he has so defeated them and discouraged them and divided them and got them such to a low place that though they may be here, they are no, they're just like in a spiritual coma. They are just laying, so to speak, on life support. But mentally and spiritually, they're brain dead. You say, preacher, that's harsh language, but that's the truth. The devil, why does the devil focus so much on our mind? Because a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Uh, the Bible is very clear there. The only way we're going to be able to live in this life in victory is to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. That we may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You see, the mind plays such a, a, a trick on us many times. The mind it is a playground many times that the devil wants to get into. In fact, we're going to do it in just a moment. When you go back to Genesis chapter 3 and you begin to look, the first place the devil attacks is right here. Amen. Preacher, what are you getting at? The mind, the helmet here. It is to encircle completely around and to protect the mind and our thinking. That Roman soldier, and of course the people of Ephesus were very familiar with a Roman soldier as he walked those streets in the Bible day. Uh, they knew and they understood the terminology of Ephesians 6 here. But they'd wear a brass helmet with a leather chin strap to tighten it closely upon the head. They didn't want to lean over and the helmet fall off. They didn't want to be running and the helmet fall off. They wanted that chin strap to tightly keep it on there where their head would always be protected. 
We see the human responsibility. We see the helmet, but then we see the hope. He said, take the helmet of salvation. 1 Thessalonians 5, 8 says this, But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet the hope of salvation. He makes the same statement in 1 Thessalonians 5, 8, but he calls it the hope of salvation. That helmet has the hope of salvation. The word hope in the word of God does not mean a possibility. It doesn't mean a what if, but the word hope in your King James Bible means expectation. You know it's going to happen. You're just sitting there trusting and waiting on it to happen, so to speak. But it's already settled and done. Amen. Can I tell you something tonight? This helmet of salvation, uh, it involves faith. Listen, you, you're not going to live in victory without faith. You're not going to live in victory without being certain and sure of your salvation. Amen. But I want to look tonight, start in this uh, thought process here, but I want to look tonight at Satan. We've looked at our enemy, which is Satan. We've looked at our adversary, but I want to look at some ways that our enemy, the devil, tries to get in our mind. Because I'm telling you, and you know as well as I do, we may not always clearly identify that that is the devil working on our mind. But if we'll just be honest, the devil tries his best to get in our mind every day of our life. Amen. He does his best to, have, to get us to have a wrong mindset, to not have clear thinking, to get us to a place to where our mind is, is not healthy and not what Christ would have it to be. Amen. And I, I want to look tonight a few things. I want you to take a Bible first of all. And I want you to jump back to Matthew chapter 16 with me. Go back to Matthew chapter number 16. Matthew chapter 16. I want to use this as an example. One of the things that the devil loves to do is, help, is to try to get us to have a, what I want to call tonight, a divided mindset. A mindset that is divided. You say, preacher, what do you mean a mindset that is divided? In other words, one moment you're thinking upon this thing, and the next minute you're thinking upon something completely different. In other words, your mind, and I'm dealing with spiritual things, I'm not talking about the physical, so to speak, but James 1 verse 8 says that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Now you say, preacher, what do you mean? What is a double-minded man? A double-minded man, this is the best way I know how to say it, is a Christian that will say amen to everything the preacher does and walk out these doors and do everything the opposite. That's a double-minded man. He knows the truth. He knows, so to speak, and he agrees with one thing, but yet his life, on the other hand, speaks exactly the opposite. His mindset says one thing one minute depending on what circumstance he's in and around. But then the next minute uh, when that doesn't seem what looks comfortable to the flesh to say something completely different. Amen. Preacher, what are you saying? Can I say this? You could straddle the fence, but you ain't going to straddle it long. Amen. Till your pants get called. Amen. Praise the Lord. Look at Matthew 16 verse 13. Bible said in Matthew 16 verse 13, Jesus came to the coast of Caesarea Philippi. He asked his disciples saying, Whom do men say that I the Son of Man am? They said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, which is Elijah, others Jeremiah or Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets. He said to them, But whom say ye that I am? He's asking them, Who do you really believe that I am? Verse 16, Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. 
Peter was exactly correct. He is Jesus Christ. He is the Son of the living God. He's the only Savior, amen. Verse 17, Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Now stop and say this. God has revealed this unto Simon Peter. That's what that says. Flesh and blood, and the devil's not told him this. God has revealed this and, and give him the understanding and understands now, listen, that Jesus Christ is Jesus. Amen. But I want you to stop and look. Look at verse 18. Now I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then charged he his disciples that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go into Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Now look in verse 22. Then Peter, the same Peter that said, Thou art Christ, the Son of the living God. He took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord. This shall not be unto thee. Look in verse 23. But he turned, talking about Jesus, and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. For thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Now, when I read this, I'm thinking, wait a minute. The same man said this here and was commended about it and says this and was rebuked about it and even told, get thee behind me, Satan. This is a divided mind. Amen. This is someone whose mindset is not constantly on the things it needs to be, but someone who is double-minded. One minute, it's, oh, we want all this. We want Jesus. You're this, and he's everything. And We run to the altar, and we make commitments, and boy, sugar won't melt in our mouth. But the next moment, get thee behind me, Satan. One moment, I'll never forsake thee. Though all flee away, it won't be me. The next moment, get thee behind me, Satan. You're going to deny me thrice. It seems to be Peter is a good example to us of someone who is double-minded. You understand tonight what I'm getting at? How often are we find ourselves in this same mentality? One moment, boy, we're all, you know, it's amen, and boy, we're, we, we want straight preaching. We want, oh, we, you know, boy, we want, we want a man that'll tell us our sin and all this. And the next moment... We're over here and we're such in fear and in terror of everything going on in our world. One moment we amen everything the preacher said. The next moment we walk out the door. One moment, preacher, you're exactly right. We need to get to the heads and highways and win souls for Christ. Then visitation comes. We're not here. Preacher, we're far. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. But yet we don't do it. Well, that's weird. We amended it here, but we didn't do nothing about it here. That seems like there's a dividing line in our mentality then. Seems to be that we've learned that church things stay at church. They don't go home. We praise the Lord on, 
church, but what about in the car? We read the Bible at church, but what about at the house? We read the Bible uh, when it's convenient. We pray when it's time to pray over our food. We pray in, in church, and boy, we know how to go through the motions of our repetitious prayer, but what about outside of here? Seems to be we found, just like my Bible, has a dividing line in the center. We've learned to live on both sides of that dividing line. That's a double-minded man. A man that can live for God one minute and live for the flesh the next. A man that wants to savor the things of God one minute and the next minute whatever seems to be pleasing unto himself. That's a divided mind. Amen. Preacher, what are you saying tonight? The same man, Simon Peter, just moments apart, said that he was Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus testified that the Father in heaven has revealed that unto him. In the next moment, he's saying, I don't want you to go to the cross, Jesus. You're not going to the cross and begin to rebuke the Savior. Seems like a double-minded man. Seems like a man that's talking out of both sides of his mouth. This is the same man that when Jesus came to wash his feet, he said, oh, you're not washing my feet. Jesus said, all right, if, you don't, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part with me. He said, oh, wash my whole body. Doesn't it seem like a man that's double-minded? Many times we're the same way. One minute, oh, listen, boy, this is going on. And boy, we're all for it. The next minute, boy, we flip the coin very quickly. Talking about a double-minded man. Why? Because the devil begins to play up here. You can amen the preacher, but when you go out that back door, you turn it off. You know, it's just church. Oh, you know, we come to church, and, you know, we, we, we know in here, you know, everybody, we, we know what's going on. But when you get out there, the world don't believe that. Don't act like that out there. That's double mindset. You know who's responsible for that? The devil. Amen. He gets up in here and begins to get us to think that, you know, we come in here, we can turn it on and we can turn it off. The other Wednesday night I went back here and turned that light switch on and turned it off. And that's the way many of our Christian lives are. We've learned to turn it on and turn it off. That's a divided mindset around the things of God. I know this is not amen preacher, but this is the truth tonight. Amen. I want you to take your Bible to another portion. Go to Genesis 3 with me tonight. Told you we was going to get there in a little bit. Go to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter number 3. I know our time's going. We'll see how far we can get. Number 1 tonight, the devil wants to attack our mind and have it divided, have division. Can I say this? The devil, the devil is always the author of confusion. He is always the author of chaos. He, he desires to steal, to kill, and destroy. God's not the author of confusion, but the devil is. The devil desires division. God desires unity. The devil desires discord, but God desires God's people to be in fellowship and communion. Division is always a tool of the devil. Number two tonight, Genesis chapter 3. Here's the great fall of man in the, the Garden of Eden. We know the story here. What I really want you to see here tonight, not only is a divided mind, but a deceived mind. How does the devil try to defeat us in our mind by deceiving us? Look what happens in chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent, we know is the devil, is more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. The woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. 
Servant said unto the woman, You shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open. You shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave it also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together, and made themselves. Thank you for listening to Leading the Way. We would like to invite you to our services at Brooklyn Baptist Church. Our Sunday school is at 9.45 a.m., morning worship at 10.45 a.m., and our evening worship is at 6 p.m. Wednesday night worship is at 7 p.m. The church is located at 8449 Paris Bridge Road in Chesney, South Carolina. If you would like to correspond with us, please do so by writing to this address. If you would like more information about our church or to watch one of our services live, please visit our Facebook page, Brooklyn Baptist of Chesney, or our website, brooklynbaptistchurch.com. Thank you for listening, and we hope you have a blessed day.